Scatically Nerdy is a podcast made by nerds for nerds. This podcast is made by adults for adults and children with bad parents. Adult language will be used and adult situations may arise. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chaotically Nerdy. Once again, joining us is one of your hosts, Tyler. The other host is... Jared. And then the third and final host... Ethan. Yay. And us three are typically always here. Typically. And today, we are going to be talking about the fighter class. We are going to cut out some of the classes that we just don't really... I don't want to say that we don't enjoy but we feel like aren't as valid. Um, thematically enjoyable, or interesting, I should say, not enjoyable, interesting. Well, they can be really functional. Or, or mechanically subpar. Some of them, yeah. it's, it's a mix of both. Some of them are not as good. True. And then some of them are just, yeah. There's A lot of them, like Samurai yeah. is one of them. It is thematic, 100%. I mean, well, not a hundred percent because there are features that aren't just Actually, thematic, but and I, but but it is very mechanically deficient. Yeah, yeah, it's boring. All right, so uh, as always, not going to talk about the table. You guys can look that up on D and D Wiki, anywhere you want, really. So we'll see who's going to take us into the features for the fighter. That is Ethan. All right, jump so us in, big boy. Fighter is. Exactly what it sounds like. It fights. I think we should mention this is probably the number one starting class. Absolutely. Like if For somebody is know. if somebody is going to get into D and D, it's usually this or Ranger. This is the better option. It is the most accessible class. Yes. Just simply because it's it's what everyone knows. It's yep. it's the knight. It's you know, it's somebody who fights. And it's with swords, with bows. They're, they just do everything well if it has to do with fighting with weapons. Yep. And the archetypes are, you can have some very simple archetypes yes. that make it really easy to just get in and learn how to roll and play the game. Mm-hmm. All right, starting out, though, uh, with the class features, uh, for hit points, you have uh, 1d10 is your hit die. You are proficient with all armor and weapons and shields. Um, you don't get any extra tools. Uh, your saving throws are with strength and constitution, and uh, you get to choose skills from two two skills from this list: uh, acrobatics, animal handling, athletics, history, insight, intimidation, perception, and survival. The equipment is just basic fighting equipment. It's armor. It's weapons. The one thing that really sets fighter apart is um, fighting styles. So. Whenever you make your character, you get to choose a fighting style. There are several of them, and there's uh, additional ones that you can find throughout the book. They they all match. The only ones I'm going to mention right now is there's two-weapon fighting, which gives you a benefit whenever you are using two weapons that you don't normally get with your offhand actually benefiting from your stats. Protection, which is if you're using a shield, you can block damage for somebody next to you. Defense uh, just gives you an extra AC point. And the other one I will talk about is uh, the ranged. What was it called? Archery. 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 I don't have it on my list here. So Uh, archery though, it's really strong. It gives you a bonus to your chance to hit. It's a plus two. I don't have it on here. I know. That's why I was saying it. I wasn't meaning it like it's plus two. And with fighter that is super good. And it really sets it apart as a really good ranged character additionally at whenever you make the character you get uh the ability called second wind so uh you have a limited well a well of stamina that you can draw on to protect yourself from harm on your turn you can use the bonus action to regain hit points equal to 1d10 plus your fighter level this is really one of your bread bread and butter abilities that keeps you fighting you also get action surge at level two um which is another classic thing it's you are able to take an additional action as a bonus action twice before arrest right yeah okay this is worded weird on here sorry 
martial archetypes at third level, you get to choose an archetype uh, that you strive to emulate in your combat styles and techniques. Basically, this is your subclasses is where you get to. All right. I don't want to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but since you didn't have it, the action surge, you uh, you can use it once up until 17th level. Then you can use it twice. But only once on the same turn. Yes. I don't know why this is worded so weird. Okay. The archetypes, though, you get to choose one. Uh, that's what we're going to go over today. That's your subclasses. On. Your subclasses. Ability score improvements. Now, fighter is different when it comes mm-hmm. to ability score improvements. So when you reach fourth level, and again at sixth, eighth, twelfth, fourteenth, sixteenth, and nineteenth levels, you can increase one ability score of your choice by two, or increase two by one, or you can choose a feat. Mm-hmm. That is a total of seven feats yep. that you can take, which is incredible, or ability score improvements. Yep. Three more normal. Yeah. Is it three? I don't know why I thought it was two, but... Yeah. It's just... It's one of the things that makes fighter worth playing. Not to mention you can make yourself a jack-of-all-trades as well. Oh, absolutely. Because you just get that many ability score improvements. Um, at fifth level, you get the extra attack, so you can attack twice instead of once whenever you take... The attack action on your turn again. This a lot of classes get this ability, but fighter takes it a f- step further because the number of attacks increases to three whenever you reach eleventh level and four when you reach twentieth level. At ninth level, you get the indomitable ability. You can reroll a saving throw that you fail. If you do so, you you must use the new roll, and you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. You can use this feature twice. Between long rest starting at 13th level and three times starting at 17th level. And that's really it. It's very simple, straightforward, but it works. They, It's very good. I mean, it like I said, it's simple. It's simple enough that it makes it easy for new yeah. players. Oh, yeah. The hardest part would probably be choosing a uh, fighting style as a new player. But again, you have your DM, you have other people around you to help you pick. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. And, well, yeah, hopefully. Unless if you're a bunch it, of noobs. If you're all noobs, then I guess you're fucked. Well, look around. Like, not look around, but look, search the internet, like, for some opinions. Yeah. But there's also a variety of them that you can access now, not just the ones that are in the regular oh, player's yeah. handbook. There was a lot. There's, like, archery, blind fighting, defense, dueling, great weapon fighting, interception, protection, superior technique, thrown weapon fighting, two weapon fighting, unarmed fighting. I think that's it. That's yeah, it. There, was yep. a, there was a lot. There's a lot. I, and the other issue you have as a new player is having that many uh, ability score improvements. Yeah, you do. You probably would run into like some um, analysis paralysis being like, uh... Which feat do I take? Yeah, I've maxed out all my ability scores. What do I yeah. do? That's what, right. what is most likely you're yeah. going to run into as a new player. Hopefully, by the time you get there, you're... A little more well-versed, and you understand them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Probably not enough to make great choices, but decent choices. But the getting all those feats, though, is another thing that makes this really nice for yeah. a seasoned player. It's yes. really customizable Yes, based on what you want to do. The other thing about feats is a lot of them have... They're, we call them like half feats, like, or like half ability score improvements. Yeah, so. they give you... Uh, Point in ability score. So if you're at a 19 strength, mm-hmm. you can take a feat that gives you something and gives you a bonus mm-hmm. to strength, and then you're at 20 instead of having to just use the point. Uh, so let's talk about the martial archetypes or the subclasses. First up is Arcane Archer. We're actually not going to cover it. We're just going to kind of mention what it is. It's from Xanathar's Guide to Everything and Jarrett. Okay, so basically you are um, Magical Hawkeye? Essentially, yeah. Yeah. You use magic to augment your arrow attacks. My biggest gripe with this class is, or the subclass, you only get it twice. You only get to do that twice per short rest. I yeah, mean. it is a really big problem. Yeah. But it, they're really, it's it's neat. I feel like you can accomplish a lot of what this subclass does with um, Battlemaster. Yes, absolutely. If you're creative enough. Hence why we're not going to talk about it as much. I and just I would just say that it does have a lot of really good <laughs> flavor in it. And if a DM wants to work with you mm-hmm. to try and make it more functional. I think that would be a, it would be a good choice to do that because it is a really nice flavored class. Yeah. 
in my current campaign, I believe I have it at proficiency bonus of uses per. I think so. I think that's what you changed it to. Short rest makes more sense. I forget. Probably short rest. I think it's short rest because I want people to use their things all the time. Yeah, because they should. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what they're there for. They're not there to hold back. Yeah, it's your subclass. You should do what it does enough that it feels different. Gotcha. And so I'm going to take us into Battlemaster. They basically are really good at all your techniques. Um, Think about a master fighter. Like your top-of-the-line knight is the best way to probably say it. Like they know skills that other fighters don't know. Going into that, combat superiority is what you get at third level. You learn maneuvers that are fueled by special dice called superiority dice. The maneuvers, you learn three of your choice, which are detailed under maneuvers, and they enhance an attack in some way. You can only use one maneuver per attack. At 7th, 10th, and 15th, you learn two additional maneuvers, so you'll end up knowing nine. Does that sound right? Yes. Yes. And each time you learn new ones, you can replace another maneuver. So, like, if you have one and you've decided, I don't really like this one, you can switch it out. Uh, You get superiority dice. You have four superiority dice, which are D8s. A superiority die is expended when you use it, and you regain all of them whenever you finish a short or long rest. You gain another superiority die at 7th level and one more at 15th level for a total of six. Uh, saving throws. Some of your maneuvers require your target to make a saving throw. We'll cover all that stuff. Well, actually, no, I'll talk about it right now. Your saving throw is your your DC yeah. is 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your strength or dexterity modifier. It's your choice. Since fighters are so versatile, you can be a dex fighter or a strength fighter. That's mm-hmm. why they give you the option. Also, at third level, you get student of war. You gain proficiency with one type of artisan's tools of your choice. And here's where we're going to talk about the maneuvers. It's probably going to be the longest part. Are we going to talk about all of them? <gasps> no. We shouldn't. We no. shouldn't because it's a lot. What do you, There's a lot. Let's play. name the best ones. If parry. Yeah, parry is really good. So parry is when another creature damages you with a melee attack. You can use your reaction expend one superiority die to reduce the damage by the number you roll on your superiority die plus your dex modifier. So... Yeah, if we're just talking like it can sheer damage, I would say precision attack is next. Yes. Okay, so precision attack is when you make a weapon attack roll against a creature, you can expend one superiority die and add it to the roll. You can use this maneuver before or after making the attack roll, but before any effects of the attack are applied. So it just gives you an extra D8. Yep. There was another really good one that used to... There's one that, um, I don't remember the name of it, I can't find it. Have somebody's movement speed? Is that what it is? Hamstring or what? what's it called? Mm-hmm. We'll look through it. Grappling strike? No, oh, that's not no. it. That one's not bad either. I'm a fan of um, commander strike getting back to that warlord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So commander strike, when you take the attack action on your turn, you can forego one of your attacks and use a bonus action to direct one of your companions to strike. When you do so, choose a friendly creature who can see or hear you and expand expend one superiority die the creature can immediately use its reaction to make one weapon attack adding the superiority die to the attack's damage roll that's good because it's just like hey make an attack in general most of these are utility and situational yep um that's why you get so many you get a lot of them yeah there's a lot of choices and generally speaking since they are kind of situational Mm -hmm. Taking a wide range of them is really nice. You really fill a lot more roles than just I attack. Yep. Yeah. So Even though I attack is not bad. No. Yeah. It's just. You were probably thinking of trip attack. Is that what I'm thinking of? Mm -hmm. Maybe. I'll read it and you can tell me. It says when you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to knock the target down. You add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll, and if the target is large or smaller, it must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, you knock the target prone. Yeah. Yes, prone is better than half speed. Absolutely. So, and But it does it, effectively give it half speed. Effectively, because they have to use half of it to get up. Unless they're mobile. Yeah. Uh, so at 7th level, you get Know Your Enemy. If you spend at least one minute observing or interacting with another creature outside of combat, you can learn certain information about its capabilities compared to your own. The DM tells you if the creature is, is your equal, 
superior or inferior in regard to two of the following characteristics of your choice. Strength, dexterity, constitution, armor class, current hit points, total class levels, if any, fighter class levels, if any. So you get to choose two of those. I feel like the like if you're really trying to fight somebody and you want to know the two best would be armor class and current hit points. Sure, yeah. Like that that is the most tactical <laughs> information. Well, also knowing their level might be useful yeah. as well. It could be because yeah. it would deter you from saying, "Hey, I think I could hey, take this guy." If fuck you're you, like, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they're like, yeah. "Hey, it's Oops, a this is a level twenty wizard." Oops, my bad. Yeah. Well, like I don't know how many times on Hagen, which was a fighter, mm-hmm. attacked something he shouldn't have and got blasted. <laughs> yeah, I think you mean every time. Fine. All the time. <laughs> and then at tenth level, you get improved combat superiority. Uh, your superiority dice turn into D10s. At 18th level, they turn into D12s. At 15th level, you get Relentless. When you roll initiative and have no superiority dice remaining, you regain one superiority die. Uh, and at 18th level, I already said that, yeah. you get the improved combat superiority. I don't think this is the best class to pick as a starter. No, it's oh, way... Oh, no, it's I really complicated. As I was talking about, like, oh, yeah, this is super simple. It's a super simple class. This is the yeah. probably most complicated. Um, if not, yeah. it's one of, it if not yeah, the most. I would say, like, Elder's Knight's probably more complicated. The, well, there's spells. a... Yeah, but there's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, with this is a lot of bookkeeping. This is a lot of bookkeeping that I would not inflict on a new it's player. A, if you like playing that up front but you don't want to play like a paladin, this is a really good choice if you like, if you don't mind something more complicated. Yeah, and keeping up with all your stuff. And, you can, is, and you're good at remembering that because mm-hmm. I'm bad about remembering features, personally. Like, this would be a bad class for me, but that much I know. But it is, if, if you can work it, it is a really excellent yes. class to pick. Um, and then we're not going to talk about Cavalier. We're just going to kind of say, hey, this is what it's about. And mm-hmm. Jarrett, tell me about the Cavalier. Well, my uh, you're gonna get out of having to read anything. <laughs> yes, uh, my experience with Cavalier is with one uh, Sir Hagen. Yeah, he's. <laughs> we, we talk about that ability of uh, you know, I cast this on you, so therefore anything you attack has disadvantage unless it's me. Cavaliers have that. Yeah, it's really fucking annoying. Oh yeah, it's nice. It uh, is nice, but it's really dependent on your campaign and DM if you have a thing to ride. It's yeah. And he I did. I did. Yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us what you had to ride? Sir Hagen. T- just tell us about <laughs> Hagen in general. Sir Hagen is a dwarf. The unclean. Well, is still a dwarf, right? Uh, or did he, did uh, he no, get turned back into a dwarf? No. Yes. Yeah, he did. Did he? Yeah, yeah he got turned when back. He arose yeah. to the heavens. Uh, ah, yeah. that's right. He was cleansed of his filthy he's, dragonbornness. He's totally an angel now. Yeah. yeah. Sir Hagen. They the would unclean. not let him into heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Hagen is a... Uh, it was is a cavalier. So basically I built him because I wanted to be a little bit supporty, but I wanted to play a fighter. And this is a really good way to do it. It's not too complicated. It's pretty simple. But I had to pick a mount. And and I had to think, what would a dwarf ride? And I thought goat, no. He would ride a boar. And I just couldn't come up with a name for it. And then finally, it one day, it dawned on me. Borgasm. Borgasm is the name of Hagen's probably now angelic boar. Yeah. Yep. Everyone groaned when I announced the name. Oh, yeah. Of I my mount. But it, he survived a long time. He survived a meteor strike. Yeah. You survived a lot of shit that you should not have survived. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, I was riding him when we got hit by a meteor. Actually, he went down... And I saved him. Yeah, you touched, or you had somebody, you touched him, or you had somebody touch him? Well, I had a couple levels of Paladin. Yeah, that yeah. point, yeah. you touched him. Yeah, and I you touched him. him. Actually, I kicked him and said, get up. That's what happened. <laughs> you didn't touch him. My story is you kicked him in the stomach. I said, get up, you shit. It's a touch. It counts. Let's go into Champion, which is, in my opinion, the best starter. Sure. Yes, it's very simple. It's so simple, and it's me. So, your Champion Fighters... At third level, you get improved critical. Your weapon attacks score a critical hit on a roll of a 19 or 20, which is great because now you have two chances for a critical. Literally crit twice as often. Yep. Uh, At seventh level, you get remarkable athlete. You can add half your proficiency bonus, round it up, 
to any strength, dex, or constitution check you make that doesn't already use your proficiency bonus. Uh, in addition, when you make a running long jump, the distance you can cover increases by a number of feet equal to your strength modifier. That affects your initiative roll. It sure does. It yep. does. I did, you know. That's something we didn't know for a long time. Yep. Poor Randall. <laughs> Poor Randall. For those of you listening, Randall was Jarrett's first, first character. First, first character. I was a champion. Yep. Was a champion fighter named Randall, mm-hmm. which is oddly enough his middle name. Yes. I always I hated that. That part inside I, of I mean, like I we it. all knew it. I pick shitty names. I don't use my middle name. I feel like there's a line. It's I think your time. simplest name was your best name. What was my simplest Murder. name? Murder. Oh yeah, that was my Yeah. I love it. I wish I could remember the Psionics <laughs> name. Because that one was probably my favorite character. Carcius? Yeah, that was his name. I just can't remember it. I've had so many characters, it's ridiculous. <laughs> On to 10th level, you get additional... Wait. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You get an additional fighting style. So, kind of like how we were talking about defense, mm-hmm. uh, archery. You get to double dip. Yep. Well, defense is a really good pick. Yeah, Always. As long as you're wearing armor, you get a plus note. one. Yeah, important note. You can't pick the same fighting yeah. style. So, you can't pick defense twice yeah. to get a plus two. You can't pick archery twice to get a plus four. Uh, there's all the, all the stuff... I'm trying to figure out where it ends because there's so many. Superior critical. Yeah. At 15th level, you get superior critical. You weapon attack score a critical hit on an 18 to 20. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's crazy. That is strong. This is one of the strongest subclasses. Mm -hmm. Also, it needs to be mentioned that it's a weapon attack. So if if you are a ranged character, it doesn't matter. There's, I always thought melee. I don't know why I thought melee. I just did. There's beauty in the simplicity of this class. You yes. go crit fishing. Oh, it's crit fishing. Yeah, it's wonderful. Make it just a halfling? Half orc. It's it's crazy. Yeah, your brutal criticals. Yeah, oh my that'd be good too. I think halfling because then anytime you roll a one, you roll it again. Sure. Yeah, take lucky along with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at 18th level, you get survivor. You attain the pinnacle of resilience in battle. At the start of each of your turns, you regain hit points equal to five plus your constitution modifier. If you have no more than half of your hit points left, you don't gain this benefit if you have zero hit points. You mean I can't be a troll? Wait a minute. Yeah. If you have no more than half of your hit points. So as long as you are below half, you get this? That's how that... Yes. Okay. That's why it says at zero, you don't... it, yeah, it confused me. It's just making sure you're running into combat. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a fighter and you're a melee fighter, you're going to get your points back. You're like, half the time, you're like kind of Wolverine or slash Deadpool. I wouldn't even say it. it's not that strong. It's not that strong. Like, shitty. I mean, this is such an easy thing to build, too. At that level, you should be getting a, you should be getting 10 points back because yeah. it should be five plus your constitution, yeah. which should be at least five mm-hmm. at that point. Especially with as many ability score improvements as you get as a fighter. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Echo Knight, which I believe will be Ethan. Nope. I haven't talked about any. You've talked about the two that we haven't talked ah, about. Well, let him do one. Echo fine, Knight. Good. Fine. Do Echo Knight. I like Bitch. Echo Knight. Go ahead. Please. Right. Uh, this it, is from... Um, uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Amount. Wild Amount, yep. Not Will Demount. That is stupid. Fuck. That is Will Demount. <laughs> no, it's Wild Mount. That wild. is Will Demount. Y'all can suck a dick. Go at Matt Mercer. The he E made is it. silent. It's Wild Mount. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you, Matt Mercer. I love you. Let me in your game. <laughs> so this is you That's know a roller coaster of emotions. Technically not official, not official content. It's um, if your DM could very well be like, mm, I don't like Dunamancy and all this stuff that involves Echonites. I don't want it. But. If you like time and uh, space and... It's all timey-wimey. It, I was going to I was trying timey not to say it. Why yeah. Timey-wimey. Um, so at third level, you have Manifest Echo. You can use your bonus action to magically manifest an echo of yourself in an unoccupied space you can see within 15 feet of you. This echo is a magical, translucent, gray image of you that lasts until it is destroyed. Unless you dismiss it as a bonus action. Uh, until you uh, manifest another echo, or until you're incapacitated, your echo has four. Your echo has AC equal to fourteen plus your proficiency bonus, has one hit point, and immunity to all conditions. 
if it has to make a saving throw, it uses your saving throw bonus for the roll. It is the same size as you and it occupies the, its space. Uh, on your turn, you can mentally command your the echo to move up to 30 feet in any direction. If your echo is ever more than 30 feet away from you at the end of your turn, however, it is destroyed. You can use the echo in the following ways. As a bonus action, you can teleport magically swapping places with your echo at the cost of 15 feet of your movement, regardless of the distance between the two of you. Or you can, when you take the attack action on your turn, any attack you make with that attack action can originate from your space or the echo space. You must make this choice for each, or you make this choice for each, each attack. Or finally, when a creature that you can see within five feet of your echo moves with it, at least five feet away from it, you can use your reaction to make an opportunity attack against the creature as if it as if you were in your echo space. So it's just like this yeah. is important to know. This is you can do this an unlimited amount of times. So there's no restriction on how many echoes you can create. It's really po- yeah. powerful, and oh. it's really good at moving around the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Which is always fun as a fighter, as a melee. You you need to be able to do that. Moving around is the key. Also at third level, you have unleash unleash incarnation. You can heighten your echo's fury. Whenever you take the attack action, you can make one additional melee attack from the echo's position. You can use this feature a number of times equal to the your constitution modifier. You regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. This just goes. You have three attacks. When you hit fifth level, you're like, oh, you have three attacks five times. Yeah, it's super nice. Yep. And so at 20th level, you have, what is it, 10 attacks a turn? Yeah, it's crazy. If you have two weapons? Yeah. Damn. You have four, action surge, use one of your thingies, oh, okay. and bonus I, action offhand. I don't know why. I just thought yeah. you were saying 10 every turn, and I was no, like, no. that's what? How? Twice. <laughs> you can do twice. that twice. With twice. action surge. Gotcha. Yep. That's insane with, you know. At uh, seventh level. Uh, echo avatar. You can temporarily transfer your consciousness to your echo as an action. You can see through the echo's eyes and hear through its ears. During this time, you're deaf and, inc- and blinded. Uh, you can sustain this effect for up to 10 minutes and you, you can end it anytime. While your echo is being used this way, it can be up to a thousand feet away without, uh, without from you without being destroyed. So this is like a better find familiar. Mm-hmm. Plus you can change places with it. Yeah. Yeah. You Mm-hmm. You can go on a long journey without having to take yeah, a single step. <laughs> mm-hmm. At 10th level, you have Shadow Martyr. Uh, you can make your echo throw itself in front of an attack directed at another creature that you can see. Before the attack roll is made, you can use your action to teleport the echo to an unoccupied space within five feet of the target creature. The attack roll that triggered the reaction is instead made against your echo. You can use this feature. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. This just adds depth to this class because not only are you just a fury of attacks mm-hmm. and moving now you're defending your allies too and it's super super nice mm-hmm. little little touch in there uh at 15th you have reclaim potential you've learned to absorb the fleeting magic of your echo when you're when an echo of yours, yours is destroyed by taking damage you can regain or you can gain a number of temporary hit points equal to 2d6 plus your constitu- constitution modifier Provided that you don't already have temporary hit points. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your constitution modifier. Uh, you regain all expensive uses, expended uses when you finish at long rest. It gets more utility to your echo as it gets destroyed. You just get to, you know, add some temporary HP back to yourself. Yeah. And at 18th level, uh, you have Legion of One. You can use a bonus action to create two echoes with your manifest echo feature. And these echoes can coexist. If you try to create a third echo, the previous two echoes are destroyed. Anything you can do from one echo's position can be done from the others instead. In addition, when you roll initiative and you have no uses of your uh, no uses of your unleashed incarnation features left, you regain one use of that feature. So yeah, super nice. Yeah, that's just even more of mm-hmm. that combat movement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, where are you? Where am I? <laughs> and I don't know where I am at. Timey wimey. Mm-hmm. Timey wimey. That's a good way to describe it. It is. It's a good way to confuse a DM, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, Ethan, won't you take us into Eldritch Knight? Eldritch Knight. This is the... It's a semi-caster. It's not a half-caster. Third caster. It's we, like a quarter caster. Yeah, yeah, quarter caster, yeah. third caster. So... Probably comparable to the Arcane Trickster for Rogue. It's exactly comparable. Yeah, it's exactly the... What, what it's about, yes. 
But they only get up to fourth level spells, mm-hmm. and that is at nineteenth uh, and twentieth yeah. level. Um, so not for a long time. They do get spell casting, um, but they can only choose from two. Is it uh, schools? Two two schools mm-hmm. for certain levels. For certain levels, yeah. Um, for example, they can use shield, which is really nice for that. Um, Very good for a fighter. Mm-hmm. It's I mean it's like super good for a fighter. Then breaks the fighter almost. At third level, you get weapon bond. Uh, uh, you learn a ritual that creates a magical bond between yourself and one weapon. You perform the ritual over the course of one hour, which can be done during a short rest. The weapon must be within your reach throughout the ritual and the conclusion of which you touch the weapon and forge the bond. Once you have bonded with this weapon to yourself, you can't be disarmed of that weapon unless you are incapacitated. If it is on the same plane of existence, you can summon that weapon as a bonus action on your turn, causing it to teleport instantly into your hand. You can have up to two bonded weapons, but can summon only one at a time and you're with a bonus action. If you attempt to bond with a third weapon, you must break the bond with one of the other two. So that is a quicker Mjolnir. Because mm-hmm. it teleports. Oh, I, see, I think of um, Ben uh, Solo. Oh, true. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I think of. Anytime right. somebody summons a weapon, I, I think of Thor. I just can't help it. But it doesn't summon it. It teleports. It just teleports yeah. straight to their hand. It's instant. It just, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's in your hand. All right. Uh, at seventh level, you get war magic. When you use your action to cast a cantrip, you can make one weapon attack as a bonus action. That is pretty simple, but it's really nice. Depending, on, I mean, you can. I mean, do you get? Uh, do you get true strike? Technically, that, yes. That was my first thought. I <laughs> would not use it with that. No, I wouldn't. I would use booming blade. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Eldritch strike at tenth level. Uh, you learn how to make your weapon strikes undercut a creature's resistance to your spells. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, that creature has disadvantage on the next saving throw it makes against a spell you cast before the end of your next turn. It's just a nice mechanical thing that boosts your spell casting mm-hmm. potency. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 15th level, you get Arcane Charge, and you gain the ability to teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see when you use your action surge. You can teleport before and after the additional action. It's just Misty Step, but... Like, along with something else you're going to use anyway. Yeah. So you don't have to spend the time doing it. Basically, you've done your four attacks. Yep. And you killed that guy. And you're like, I'm going to teleport 30 feet to this guy yep. when you action surge. It's also good if you're dying and you can get away. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can sprint away. Yeah. Gives um, you 60 feet, basically, instead mm-hmm. of. At 18th level, you gain improved war magic. When you use your action to cast a spell, you can make one weapon attack as a bonus action. Any spell, not just a cantrip. That's good. Mm-hmm. Anytime, I mean, anytime you get extra actions. The only contradictory thing I see with this class is most of the time when you cast a spell, it takes your whole action, so mm-hmm. you're getting away from all the extra attacks yes. that fighter gets. And it kind of knocks it down a little it has bit. That's a little bit of conflict of interest. Yeah, because you have to choose. Well, do I want to do one attack with this spell, which I think you said only goes up to level four. Yeah. So they're yeah. not going to be super strong spells to start with. They are not. And Or would I rather do four attacks? I know which one I'm picking. but Four attacks is more likely to do damage than one spell. Yep. And one attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up on the list is the Psy Warrior. And it's me. This is from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So these are uh, psionic abilities. The mind powers, basically. Is this based off of the, uh, was it Mystic? Is that what it was? It is the replacement. This, um, I forgot the rogue one. Uh, Soul Knife. Soul Knife, yeah. And there's another one. Okay, so they just took those and made them subclasses to classes. It's the yes. sorcerer. Everett Mind? Yeah, yes. Everett yeah. Mind. Yeah, they basically said, fuck your mystic shit. Yeah, because they did an unearthed arcana, which is the... Um, unofficial playtest. Yeah, it's unofficial playtest. They put it out. They decided it was too powerful, so they broke it down into subclasses. Well, they did it. He redid it 
once still was too powerful or too convoluted. Then they did this play test, which then became official. Yeah. So now this is official. Yeah. If you wanted to play a Mystic, you have to pick one of these three classes and the subclasses, basically. Yeah. Uh, so at third level, you get psionic power. You harbor a wellspring of psionic energy within yourself. This energy is represented by your psionic energy dice, which are each a D6. You have a number of these dice equal to twice your proficiency bonus, and they fuel various psionic powers you have, which are detailed below. Some of your powers expend the psionic energy die they use as specified in the power description, and you can't use a power if it requires you to use a die when your dice are all expended. You regain all your expended psionic energy dice when you finish a long rest. In addition, as a bonus action, you can regain one expended psionic energy die, but you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest. So when you reach certain levels in this class, the size of your dice increases. At 5th level, it becomes a D8. At 11th, a D10. And 17th, a D12. Which is pretty much in line with cantrips, right? It's also in line with the Battlemaster superiority die. Gotcha. So there's a lot of ability. I know there's three. Never mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get protective field. When you or another creature you can see within 30 feet of you takes damage, you can use your reaction to expend a energy die. Roll the die and reduce the damage taken by the number rolled, plus your intelligence modifier. Uh, psionic Strike, you can propel your weapon with Psionic Force once on each of your turns, immediately after you hit a target within 30 feet of you with an attack and deal damage to it with a weapon. You could expend one Psionic Energy die, rolling it and dealing force damage to the target equal to the number rolled, plus your intelligence modifier. And then telekinetic movement. You can move an object or a creature with your mind. As an action, you target one loose object that is large or smaller or one willing creature other than yourself. If you can see the target and it is within 30 feet of you, you can move it up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. Alternatively, if it's a tiny object, you can move it to or from your hand. Either way, you can move the target horizontally, vertically, or both. Once you take this action, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest unless you spend a psionic energy die to take it again. All three of those are good. Um, telekinetic movement is really good since you don't have to expend one the first time. And it's a willing creature. Like, if you need to get somebody up a yeah up a level, basically, oh, yeah. you can just... Say, Especially hey, if you go. have, like, a short companion... You, yeah. You can use it to help them climb something if they need to. Yeah. Yeah. At seventh level, you get telekinetic adept. You have mastered new ways to use your telekinetic abilities. You get a leap. So as a bonus action, you can tell your body with your mind. You gain a flying speed equal to twice your walking speed until the end of your current turn. Turn. Once you take this action, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest unless you spend a die to take it again. Uh, telekinetic thrust. When you deal damage to a target with your psionic strike, you can force the target to make a strength saving throw against a DC equal to 8, plus your proficiency bonus, plus your intelligence. If the save fails, you knock the target prone. Both of those are really good. Again, Mm because you don't have to... Yeah. You don't have to use a die, it looks like. Yeah, it's just free. Which are good abilities. Mm -hmm. Especially if you knock somebody prone. And you have four attacks to give that a shot. As a as a melee character, prone is one of the best things you can. Absolutely. Do. Like imagine that happens the first attack, and right. you have four more if you're a later level or three more. In case you don't know, whenever somebody is prone and you attack them with a melee attack, you have advantage to hit them. And then it's a critical if you do hit. No, crit- no, that's no. that's paralysis. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, at tenth level, you get guarded mine. The psionic energy flowing through you has bolstered your mind. You have resistance to psychic damage. Moreover, if you start your turn charmed or frightened, you can expend a die and end every effect on yourself, subjecting you to these conditions. Ooh, nice. That is nice to be able to just say, eh. Well, like, think about a dragon, right? So it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really cool. Uh, At 15th, you get Bulwark of Force. You can shield yourself and others with telekinetic force. As a bonus action, you can choose creatures, which can include you, that you can see within 30 feet of you, up to a number of creatures equal to your intelligence modifier. Each of the chosen creatures is protected by half cover for one minute or until you're incapacitated. Once you take this bonus action, you can't do so again unless you until you finish a long rest unless you spend a die to take it again. Um, half cover, what does that do? Plus two, you guys see. Okay. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. Yep. This is super good because mm-hmm. it's a bonus action. And yes. it does multiple people. Yes. 
Because originally I would have said, why would I use this on anybody else but myself? But yeah. you can use it on everybody. But you can use it on everybody. It's, if you have like a 20 intelligence or if yeah. you have an 18, mm-hmm. it's really nice. It, again, that goes back to the fighter getting 42 ability score improvements. Mm-hmm. I oh, mean, yeah. if you're taking this, you can dump into intelligence and mm-hmm. you'll probably have a 20. Um, at 18th level, you get telekinetic master. Your ability to move creatures and objects with your mind is matched by few. You can cast the telekinesis spell requiring no components, and your spellcasting ability for the spell is intelligence. On each of your turns, while you concentrate on the spell, including the turn when you cast it, you can make one attack with a weapon as a bonus action. Once you cast a spell with this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest unless you spend a die. I have one thing to say about this class. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to play... In D&D, say in Faerun, in Jarrett's world here, in Wildmount, if you wanted to play a Jedi, this is this it. is it. Yeah, like this is this is everything you could want outside of force choking somebody mm-hmm. or lightning. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't get those. And but everything else is there. Force push. Yeah, if you're playing a good guy, you don't do those anyway. Yeah, if you're playing a Jedi, if you're playing a Sith, it depends Jedi. on how you're playing. I mean. There was an example of of Obi Wan in A New Hope force choking somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And are you telling me Obi Wan's not a good guy? I'm telling you, in his age, he probably got a little. He's he a little cut Cena. that Aqualish guy's arm off in the yeah. bar. I don't like you either. <laughs> so next up is Purple Dragon Knight. We're not actually going to talk about it. Purple Dragon Knight is also called Banneret. Yeah. Uh, when they took the purple dragon, so that it wasn't just applied to Faerun, because yeah. purple knight is based out of of Sword Coast. An, a, well, no, it's based out uh, of uh, uh, what is the name of the place? Oh, I, can't, I forgot. Cormier. Yeah, Cormier. I had it pulled up. That's oh. my name. Like I was, no I was really impressed, but now I'm not. <laughs> Don't be. Never be impressed with my knowledge. Most of it's fake. Yeah, maybe about anime. I I can get you through some of the animes. Weeb. Mm. Not near as much as Jamie. <laughs> well, he is the captain. <laughs> captain Weebo. <laughs> he he uh, that ship very well. I mean, they're just knights. They get special things because of their knights. It's They just <laughs> actually, realistically, they just kind of suck. <laughs> they get a lot of decent defense stuff, but it's really boring. It's not. It, Unfortunate, yeah. but it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. And so that takes us into Rune Knight. Jarrett. I, th- I was like, it's not me. I just went. Uh, rune Knights, um, these are inspired by any of your runic um, characters, like your giants, your dwarves. Yeah. Um, mm. What's another one? Elves could be. Yeah. Goliaths. Goliaths. So basically, you just use runes to enhance your abilities. At their level, you have bonus proficiencies. Um, you gain proficiency with smith's tools, and you learn to speak, read, and write giant. Not that the uh, giants are known for their scholarly works, but <laughs> actually they are. A few of them are. I was yeah. mostly joking, but some of them racist. Yeah, don't even start. We can. Uh, this <laughs> is the fighter episode, and we can get into Hagen. Okay, let's not let's yeah. not do that. Yeah. No, also, at their that. level, you have the rune carver ability. You can use magic runes to enhance your gear. You learn two runes of your choice uh, from among the runes described below. And each time you gain a level in this class, you can replace one rune you know with a different rune from this feature. Uh, when you reach certain levels in this class, you learn additional runes. Uh, it, you know, two at third level, three at seventh level, four at tenth level, and five at fifteenth level. I believe there are six runes in total, so you only have to miss out on one of them. Uh, whenever you finish a long rest, you can touch a number of objects equal to the number of runes you know, and you can inscribe a different rune on each of these objects. To be eligible, the, must, the object must be a weapon, a suit of armor, a shield, a piece of jewelry, or something else that you can wear or hold in your hand. Uh, your rune remains on an object to... Uh, until you finish a long rest, and an object can only bear one of your runes at a time. Your rune magic DC equals uh, 8 plus your proficiency bonus uh, plus your constitution modifier. And each rune is based on a type of giant. Yes. So you have the cloud rune. This rune emulates the deceptive magic uh, used by some cloud giants while wearing or carrying an object inscribed with this rune. You have advantage on sleight of hand checks and deception checks. In addition, when a creature you can see... Within 30 feet of you is hit by an attack roll. You can use your reaction to invoke this rune and choose a different creature within 30 feet of you other than the attacker. The chosen creature becomes the target of the attack using the same roll. 
This magic can transfer the attack's effects regardless of the attack's range. Uh, once you use, invoke this rune, you can't do so until you finish a short or long rest. That's really good. Uh, yeah, it is. Fire rune. This rune magic. This rune's magic channels the masterful craftsmanship of the great smiths. Uh, while wearing or carrying an object inscribed with this rune, you get your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make that uses your proficiency with a tool. In addition, when you hit a creature using attack, or attack using a weapon, you can invoke this rune uh, to summon fiery shackles that target takes an extra 2d6 fire damage and it must succeed on a strength saving throw or be restrained for one minute. The restrain, while restrained by the shackles, the target takes 2d6 fire damage at the start of each of its turns. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns. Banishing, banishing the shackles on the process. Once you invoke this rune, you can't do so until you finish a short or long rest. Frost rune. This rune's magic invokes the might of those uh, who survive in the wintry, wintry wilderness, such as frost giants. While wearing or carrying an object inscribed with this rune, you have advantage on animal handling or in intimidation checks. In addition, you can invoke this rune as a bonus action to increase your sturdiness. For 10 minutes, you gain a plus 2 bonus to all ability checks and saving throws that use strength or constitution. Once you invoke this rune, you can't do so until you finish a short or long rest. Stone rune. This rune's magic channels the judiciousness associated with stone giants. While uh, wearing or carrying an object strapped with this rune, you have advantage on insight checks, and you have a dark vision out, of out to a range of 120 feet. In addition, when a creature you can see ends its turn within 30 feet of you, you can use your reaction to invoke the rune and force the creature to make a wisdom saving throw. Unless, this, unless the save succeeds, the creature is charmed by you for one minute, while charming this way, a creature has a speed of zero and is incapacitated, descending into a dreamy stupor. The creature repeats its saving throw at the end of its turns. Uh, once you invoke this rune, you can't do so until you finish a short or long rest. All those you can choose immediately, all four of those. The last two you can only pick uh, when you hit uh, level caps. Seven, uh, seven level or Yeah, higher. seventh level or higher. Yeah. Hill rune. This rune's magic bestows a resilience res reminiscent of a hill giant. While wearing or carrying an object that bears this rune, you have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned, and you have resistance to the poison damage. In addition, you can evoke this rune as a bonus action, regaining resistance to bludging, piercing, and slashing damage for one minute. Once you invoke this rune, you can't do so until you finish a short or long rest. Storm rune. When using this rune, you can glimpse the future uh, like a storm giant seer. While wearing or carrying an object inscribed with this rune, you have advantage on arcana checks, and you can't be surprised as long as you aren't incapacitated. In addition, you can invoke this rune as a bonus action to enter a prophetic state for one minute or until you're incapacitated. Uh, until the state ends, when you or another creature you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, uh, a saving throw, or an ability check, you can use your reaction to cause the roll have advantage or disadvantage. Once you invoke this rune, you can't do so until it's short or long rest. going to give Jared a break here. We are going to give Jared a break here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, first that, yes, these are based off of giants, mm -hmm. but you can just... Yeah, reflavor them into something else. So if you're going to do elves, maybe you don't want to focus on giants, especially hill giants because they're gross. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you could flavor it into anything else. Your Hagen is showing. You the hill giants are gross. They are gross. Their uh, queen is Guh. That's her name. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but like you do elves. Um, but the other thing I thought of before was. Uh, like if we're gonna do it, you could base it off the elements. So like mm -hmm. Ganassi. Yep. Like you could if you're gonna play Ganassi Rune Knight, could make a lot of sense to do this, mm -hmm. but just don't flavor it as giants. I think out of all those, the ones you probably don't pick is the uh, I feel like I knew this at one point. Fire rune? Hill hill rune. I think the I like the hill rune. That pier right. piercing slashing bludgeon damage is all magic included. Yeah, but you don't pick it because it's a hill giant. <laughs> now your Hagen is showing. Yeah, big For pig. sure. Yeah. Maybe the Cloud Rune? No, the Cloud Rune's are good. I don't know. You can pick whichever one you want. It, which depends. Guess what? Yeah, it depends. It doesn't matter what our opinion is. You get to choose yeah. which one. But you, you, you get to pick five eventually, so there is one <laughs> odd duck out. Yeah. Yeah. Also at third level, if that wasn't enough. Here, you, you know what? <laughs> I can do it. No, it's, there's not really that much left. All right. Fair enough. It's like literally... As much as like two other rooms. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, I'll, I'll oh, no. finish it up. This is a really long description for the class. It though. is very. Yeah. You have learned how to be, imbue yourself with the might of giants. As a bonus action, you can you can magically gain the following benefits, which lasts for one minute. If you are smaller than large, you become large, along with anything you're wearing. If you lack the room to become large, your size doesn't change. 
Uh, you also gain advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. And once on each of your turns, one of your attacks with a weapon or an unarmed strike can deal an extra 1d6 damage to a, a target on a hit. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses of it until you finish a long rest. Uh, at 7th level, you get Runic Shield. When you learn, or you learn to invoke rune magic to protect your allies when another creature you can see within 60 of you is hit by an attack roll, you can use your reaction to force the attacker to re-roll the d20 and use a new re-roll, or new roll. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Great stature at 10th level. The magic of your runes permanently alters you. When you gain this feature, you roll 3d4. You grow a number of inches in height equal to the roll. For all the short kings out there. Where do you grow? It doesn't specify. I so need to know. Like, you decide. Yep. It's up to you. This is d d It's, it's very important. Up to your DM's discretion. Uh, moreover, the damage uh, you deal with your giant's might feature increases to a 1d8. Woohoo! I got an 8. We're at 9 inches, baby! Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. That's telling. I love it. It's a good uh, thing you're already married. <laughs> At 15th level, Master of Runes, you can invoke, invoke each rune you know from your rune carver feature twice rather than once, and you regain all expended uses whenever you finish a short or long rest. So you get to do all five of them runes twice. Mm, that's, yeah. like it. Runic Juggernaut. At 18th level, you learn how to amplify your rune power transformations. As a result, the extra, the extra damage you deal with Giant's Might feature becomes a D10. Moreover, when you use that feature, your size can increase to huge. And while you were th- that size, your reach increases by five feet. It's huge. 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 <laughs> All right. So the last class that, or class, last subclass that we have to talk about is the samurai. We're not actually going to talk about it. We're just going to go over it. Basically, I need to look at it again because I think, if I remember right, they just pick a weapon and they're really good at it. No. That's not right. What the fuck class is that? That is Kensai. That's a monk thing. That's a monk thing. Okay. <laughs> Similarly, very similar in concept. Kinsai is what samurai would want to be. Yeah. Yeah. This one is just you live like you're supposed to be like literally like a samurai. You get like a fighting spirit. You're like you're supposed to be like a. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's really not. I actually like it, but it's just kind of meh. It's black. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not. I feel like a lot of the fighter classes can be bleh. Yes, or subclasses. It's, it's can be, be bleh. very yeah. uh, simple. Yeah. So it's up to you to RP it. Yes. And yeah. make it interesting. Yeah. And that's where it falls into it can be difficult. It's a trap. It can be a trap sometimes for some people to be like, if they're not good role players, to be like. Well, if they're new, especially. Especially yeah. if you're new. But like, there are also veterans who are just like, I can't play fighter. I'm like. Well, are you are you role playing? Are you right? Are you, and and right. I think that's why because when you come in as a new person, one of the most like intimidating things. Well, is, I mean, no, it's role intim- playing is the most intimidating. But what I mean is like when you come in new, the reason I think champion is so good yeah. for a new person is because when you get into that first fight mm-hmm. and you start really doing some damage, mm-hmm. and it you, feels good, yeah, and you're attacking four times a turn because you're level six or whatever you are, and it's just fun. Mm-hmm. But the role play and the necessity to make playing a fighter fun and is also good practice for a new player. Yeah. Yes. Because get like, them growing pains out early. Yeah. Well, it's it's really fun that first time you really get into your character mm-hmm. as the character, not the class, not the combat, but when you really feel connected to the character you've made, it's yeah. it's, it's just really fun. Mm-hmm. And I think champion gives them the room to do that because they're not worried about keeping up with rune every knight feature and getting that degree so they can play rune knight. Yeah, it's not really that much. It's just well, the, the, so they can understand what it says. Sure, yeah, yeah, because you have to be like a lawyer. Complicated language. Yeah. <laughs> also, I feel like we need to bring up Hagen because we've mentioned the racism. Uh, yeah, we we've mentioned it a few times. I just want to clarify: Ethan is not a racist. Hagen, a hundred percent a racist, uh, had to roll each time he met a new race race in D anD. d He didn't have to. That was Ethan's choice. Well, that no. was part of the character yeah. I made. Yes, it's important yeah. to note in my world, dwarves in themselves are usually inherently racist because they a were little like, bit. Well, they, they were have like, a superiority complex. Yeah. That's a race. They were like yeah. the yeah. first race. They enslaved. 
most of the other races. Therefore, yeah. they see themselves as the best. Yeah. And Ethan played that to a T. Yeah. He did very good. Hated Dragonborns the most? No, yes. I hated oh. I hated dragons the most. Yeah. Dragons. And then that tie And then certain types of humans. Yeah. Yes. And then lycanthropes. And lycanthropes. Yeah. And lycanthropes. Yes. Those were my most hated mm-hmm. people. Dragonborns died. were like 50%. Yeah. Died, was resurrected as a dragonborn. Yeah. The the primal no. The, the fucking karma. Yeah. And that was intentional too, wasn't it? Yeah. I know <laughs> it, I know to, it was intentional. They tried to use we had a druid, so they tried to reincarnate, and I just said, Nope, you're a dragonborn. <laughs> you flavored it as because I was a, I yes, was partially did. a paladin mm-hmm. at that point. So you flavored punished. it as my my deity yeah. was punishing me yeah. for being a racist. Yeah, he's being he's serving his pants. Having said that, yeah. Hagen's best friends were an elf. A dragonborn, a Leonin, and a tiefling. Mm -hmm. It was a very diverse party. And I don't remember what Jeremy's character was. A tabaxi. What was his name? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Kodo. Kodo. (laughs) Kodo. He was so good. He was an assassin. And he was so good at disguise, I never remembered his name. I don't think he gave it out a lot. He didn't. All right. So now that we've wrapped up all these subclasses, we're going to get into the fighter question. So again, comes from Dungeon Loot Armory, except for we've kind of adjusted it a little bit because we didn't agree with one of the picks. Mm-hmm. The pick was uh, Geralt from The Witcher. He's a blood hunter. Yeah. Well, I think we all agree with that. Yep. He is oh, yeah. a blood hunter. He is not a fighter. And he will be brought up in the blood hunter episode. Yep. He is very good at fighting. I will say that. Like, I could see how someone could say sure. he's a fighter. But, all in all, he's a blood hunter. So our options for today as who you would put in your party. You have Gimli from Lord of the Rings. We have the Hound, which is the one that we placed mm-hmm. uh, from Game of Thrones. You have Leonidas from 300. And you have Percival, or Percy, from Critical Role. Jarrett, I know who you're picking. I think we all know who we're all picking. Actually, I don't know. You'd be the odd man out, probably. I have a problem with Percival. We didn't do Gunslinger. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. But yeah, that's we fine. Did. No, we didn't. Did no, we skip it? We yeah. skipped it. How did but we skip it? It's also not official either, so. Oh, yeah, it's, it's that's re- true. It's even less official than Echo Knight. Yeah, yeah gotcha. it's it's okay. All right. It's also a lot more bookkeeping. That's uh, why we yep. didn't do it, because it's not on here. Yeah. It's fine. Because it's unofficial. So It's fine. Either way, Gunslingers, they get guns. They can shoot. If it's not, it's more complicated than even Rune Knight. I yeah. have problems with Percy though because he's a gunslinger. Sure, not a true fighter. Percy, the character, is fantastic, and the story arc that he goes through is amazing. Yeah, gunslinger itself has its problems. Yeah. Yes, agreed. But it was also it's a Pathfinder thing. They had to make it work. It was, yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah. So who are you picking? Who are you putting in your party? It's still Percy. <laughs> I knew. I figured he would pick Percy. Uh, I'm I'm between two of them. Leonidas and the Hound. I, I don't know which one. I think Leonidas would be better, but he's also kind of an asshole. The <laughs> Hound, not that the Hound's not an asshole, but he's not an egotistical asshole. That's true. He, Here's, doesn't, he doesn't think highly of himself. Yeah. I, I, the Hound, towards the end... Oh, no, no spoilers, but towards the end... <laughs> we mean no spoilers. When he the fucking show's been over a, for... <laughs> Uh, okay, we Before did a whole dies, episode. The Game Bowl, motherfuckers. I pick the we hound. We did a whole episode on it. That's true. Okay, we fine. talked about it. It's fine. Okay, fine. I pick the hound bo- just before he dies. See, and I pick Leonidas. Just before he dies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I pick Leonidas because I'm afraid the hound will get pissed off with the party and just leave. Yeah. Me. Probably will. Leonidas is there for the fight. I don't think. I don't think the hound, the way the hound developed, I don't think that he would leave. If he liked the party, you had to make him like the party. That's Mm -hmm. the issue. You got to make him like the party. Every party I've been in has been really shitty and hard to like. Hmm. Maybe that says something about about us. us. It does. We're shitty people. (laughs) We we make, like, we we let our shittiness come out in (laughs) D&D. It's true. But that's the fun part about D&D. Yeah. Because it's not real. You can make an asshole. I made a character yeah. named Murder. That was his whole point. Yeah. 
run around killing shit. I made a racist. That wasn't even a <laughs> shitty character. Like his actions weren't shitty. What? Murders? Murders? Yeah. You don't know what he did before. Well, I don't, but I'm saying the actions of the campaign are not yeah. shitty. Yeah. It's because it is what it is. Yeah. All right. So that's going to wrap up everything. We all made terrible picks for Fighter. And I think that's because we don't. It, I'm talking about the question for Fighter. It's, I know that we appreciate Fighter, but not as much as. It's not as interesting. Yeah. Not uh, as much as other classes. I enjoy playing Fighter than, more than most because I get to focus on the RP more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's understandable. Well, as always, if you want to chat with us, we are in the Discord. Jarrett just listens. He doesn't fucking say anything. He just watches. He, he, yeah, he just I watches. Saying, listen. Well, I watch. Same thing. You, no. you listen with your eyes. <laughs> you, you fuck. It doesn't work like that. I know. I see with my ears. It's it's late. I'm getting tired. <laughs> Need a nap. And you can join us in the Discord. You can find links to the Discord, our Facebook page, and all our episodes at anchor.fm slash chaotically nerdy. We thank you for listening to this episode, and we hope you listen to some more. Adios.